Well, good evening. That was uh, that was really good worship. Thank you, Tim. I love that last song. Let me. Uh, can I pray again? Is that all right? There's too many prayers. Okay. So, Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you most of all for who you are. Um, you're too good to be true. I just pray you draw us into an awareness of what you're doing in this season that we might um, understand and, um, and embrace your activity. I pray, God, for your message tonight, that uh, you would speak um, uh, exactly what you had in mind, everything you wanted to express to your people. I open myself up to be your messenger, and I thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know um, how many of you were here last month when I taught last, but I was teaching on, it was actually part one of, of the Psalm 34, 8, that said, taste and see, come, taste and see that God is good. I want to expound on that tonight, because I had a, I wasn't necessarily going to do that, but um, you know Sue Krause, who sits on the front here, who has the little girl in the wheelchair, she asked me some questions about that message that, that caused me to believe that I need to go deeper. She really wanted to embrace that and to somehow activate that in her life. And so I spent some time um, this last couple of weeks just thinking about how we could do that in a better, easier, more simplified way. Is that okay? We just kind of dumb it down to where I can understand it? <laughs> I think of the top maybe three or four psalms that people remember. One of those is, is Psalm 34. Uh, of course, the 23rd Psalm, and everybody has their favorite. But this is one that a lot of people are familiar with the, the language, but I, don't, I haven't heard it taught on too much. This, I'm going to read it for you in a couple of different translations, then I want to uh, kind of uh, just unpack it a little bit. In the message, it reads, uh, Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. In the, another translation that you, you seldom see is the contemporary uh, English version. I really like this language. It's because it's different and it's different perspective on viewing this verse. It says, discover for yourself that the Lord is kind. So there's an invitation there. Um, and we understand that la last time I think I taught that there was two parts to this. There's an invitation to come and do this to engage it, and to actually try to walk into that. And then this second part that says, if you do that, God will meet you there, and he will bless you. So I'm going to talk about both the invitation and the promise tonight. And I think I have some, some things to say that, that uh, I haven't seen before, and, I, and I, maybe you haven't either. So let's just see. So the first part of this passage is an invitation to come and see for yourself really who God is. It's a formal invitation to come and discover him. And the second part, we'll see the promise. But the first part, this invitation, it's important we understand this, is, this verse is on coming to an event, coming to really what is an encounter with God. The headline on, if you got this in the mail, the headline on this invitation in, is that it would come to you would say, come and discover for yourself that the Lord is kind. And so that's an interesting heading for an uh, invitation, isn't it? If you were to get that in the mail, you'd say, what is that about? 
So let me ask you, if you got that invitation in the mail and it read that way, what would you do with it? Well, I'll, tell you, I'll go through what I normally go through, standing at the mailbox looking through the mail. If I get an invitation, I first check to see who it's addressed to. If it's to me or Janet, then I'll keep it on the top of the stack. If it's to occupant, I might not as, as, as much, but I might still give it a glance just to see if I'm interested. So who is this invitation addressed to that David wrote in this psalm? Who was he speaking to in his psalms? Any thoughts? He was speaking primarily to his peers, his, the nation of Israel. He's speaking to God's people. And guess what? He still is. This invitation is ongoing. It's still active and alive and open to God's people. So if you're one of those, or you want to be, this is a great opportunity for you to encounter God. So the... Um, most people think if the invitation sounded interesting, they might even check the date of the event, and they might ask themselves, is this something of interest? Do I have the time for it? You know, these are the things we have to go through our mental checklist. I'd have to go to my calendar. First of all, is it interesting to me? Did it catch my interest? And is this something I might want to devote some time to? If it is, I'll check and see when it happens, the timing, and so forth, and I'll look and see if there's a response required. What do we call that? Does anybody know what that stands for? Very good. I had to look that up. I had to go to the Google because <laughs> uh, it's in French and I didn't know that. I thought it's, the letter stood for something in English. Anyway, I learned something. This. So we, we have this invitation. The timing is, uh, is open, it says, because it's not a specific date. We have to go. It's an open-ended invitation to come and see. You with me? It um, doesn't cost me anything. It's an invitation just to show up. It's already got my interest. I can come in as I want. It's not a, there's not a charge to get in. I'm already invited. But I do need to RSVP. Now, then Sue asked this question last week. She asked me, I was talking about to come, taste, and see. And she says, I, I get that part, Bob. How do I do that? How do I engage that process where I can actually come and taste and see that God is good? I, she says, I want to do that, but I don't know how. Isn't that a great question? Everybody do this. Because we all want to know, and we assume that, yeah, it's, just, it's either easy or it's beyond me. But it's not, it's not beyond you. The invitation is open to God's people. So, I would have said... Um, I think she said something like, um, Bob, if I decide I'm interested, how do I respond and make this happen? Well, first you need to ask yourself, do you want to? Is this something of interest to you? And if it is, then we can take it on down the road. So first of all, is this of interest to you? As God's people, is this something you would like to pursue? And just go check it out. Thank you, Janet. I appreciate that. Do you want to? In case you're not sure or you're hesitating because you think it's a trick question, <laughs> I thought it might be helpful to see how this played out in other people's lives in the Bible. When they got the invitation and responded, how did it go for them? And maybe it would have 
give us a, a desire to check this out ourselves. One such person, I'll just pick one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. By the way, there were a number of them. I could have stayed up here and talked a long time about people who received the invitation and went to see. But the first one I want to pick out is Moses. I've taught on this before, but I, I like to go back because we, um, sometimes we dismiss that. This is in Exodus 3. And as the story unfolds, we see that he was just tending cattle one day on the back side of the mountain, 40 years into his having to run away and leave Egypt and run for his life. He was disengaged. He was not interested, and he was just herding cattle. And suddenly, he received an invitation. So he, 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 when he became aware of the presence of God, he was immediately curious about what that meant. And, and he had a response. But first of all, how did God appear to him in this invitation? Do you remember? It was an angel of the Lord who appeared in a burning bush that was not consumed. This thing was burning with a fire, and nothing was being consumed in the fire. That would get your interest. Now, here's, here's Moses' response. He looked at that, and he said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. So which tells us three things in his response. Number one, he said, I will. He said yes to the invitation. I will now, and I'm going to do it now, and turn aside. And he had action. He actually went and did what he said he was going to do. My will is yes, my time is now, and my response is immediate. This is what God's looking for. This is the man of God. that He wasn't even sure what he was looking at, but he knew that it was something of the Lord. There was something supernatural happening here. And when God invites you into an encounter, there's no time like the present to respond. As soon as you become aware that it's a God thing and he's inviting you to come closer, I challenge you to go see. And if you don't, you might miss the event of your life. Thank you, Tim. So what was God's response to Moses? He says, And when the Lord saw, he turned aside to see God called to him, and he said, here am I. What can we conclude from this encounter? God was simply waiting for us and for Moses to become aware of the invitation and to turn aside and walk toward him. That was all the man was required to do. That's all he wants us to do. Become aware, show some interest, move on it, and take a step. God says, I'll take it from there. And he did. Now, as soon as we turn our will into turning aside to see, God responds with words of instruction. Then God's engaging him and us with words that bring understanding. But not until we stop and turn aside and move toward him. So right on the heels of making this invitation, the Lord says something that's confusing. At least it was for me. Because he says, in fact, it sounded like a contradiction to the invitation. He says, he's saying, come closer. And then he says, don't come closer. Now, what was that all about? God said, do not come near. Did the Lord change his mind? 
No, there was something that needed to be negotiated here, and there still is. Put your shoes off your feet. Take off your shoes. For the place on which you stand is holy ground. You've come close, and for you to come closer requires something of you. Everything that's been in touch with this world needs to be left behind. And come to me just yourself. That's okay to bring your baggage and your stuff, but there's things that, what was the old saying, if you walk through the, the chicken yard, you can't come in the house. Now, what was that all about? Leave the defiled things behind, but come on in the house. Okay, you with me? So, as the, are these two random examples, or are there more? Well, let me give you one from the New Testament here. This is, I don't know if you've heard of the person Nathaniel in the New Testament. Some remember him, some have not. It's a great name, isn't it, Nate? It's spelled strangely, though. N-A-T-H-A-N-A-E-L. Boy, you try to run that through your glossary and try to find it. In this passage, Jesus had just invited Philip to join him in ministry, which was an encounter. Philip was overwhelmed that he would be uh, invited into this ministry with this rabbi. And he was so taken by Jesus that he immediately went and told his friend. Now, isn't that the way when we have an encounter with God and we got something we're excited about and passionate about, it's life-changing. How many of us have any trouble telling our friends? I have trouble telling my friends about religion, but I have no problem telling them about the person that loves me that's so close to my heart. So he went, this is Philip going to his friend Nathaniel, and he told him, we found him. We found the one we've been waiting for. It's Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth, the anointed one. He's the one that Moses and the prophets prophesied would come. Now, how could he have come to that conclusion? Did he just figure it out? In the encounter comes the revelation. Without the encounter, there is no revelation unless the revelation is to draw you into encounter and further revelation. But the response to God's invitation brings us into an encounter that opens us to revelation and truth. So, Philip is, is so overwhelmed by this experience, he has to go and share it with his friend. But here's Nathan's response, Nathaniel's response. And this is, this is to sound like any church person. He says, yeah, right. <laughs> Nazareth, what good thing could ever come from Nazareth? Well, this, this rabbi you talk about that's supposed to be the anointed one, he's from, what would we call someplace like this? South Dallas or wherever you're from, it's a, it's a trash heap, right? Nazareth was one of those places. How could anything good from, come from that? And what is Philip's response? Come and see. Come and see and discover for yourself if it's true. Does that sound familiar? Bless you. This is the same invitation to come and taste and discover for yourself. Now, what was Nathaniel's response to the, how did he RSVP to this invitation? 
What did he do to respond to this invitation? He showed up. You get it? When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, in other words, he had turned aside to go to Jesus, intent on finding out for himself, Jesus began to speak to him with instruction. Words of revelation in the encounter. So Jesus says, now here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. So notice that immediately Jesus encounters him, engages him in revelation, and begins to draw him in to the encounter. Now, what was Nathaniel's response to that? It says, Nathaniel was stunned. Aren't we often when God speaks truth to us and blasts us with his revelation? And he said, How, you've never met me. How do you know anything about me? Jesus answered Nathaniel, right before Philip came to you, I saw you sitting under the shade of a fig tree. I saw you in the spirit, and I recognized you, and I knew who you were, and I know who you are. And what came, what came of that encounter with the truth? Revelation came from that encounter. Nathaniel's life was changed forever because he went to see for himself. He could never go back to who he was. You can't unsee this. You can't undo what you've heard, you heard, unhear it. You've encountered God and he's spoken into your heart and you are a changed person because you went to see. And he, and he blurted out, Teacher, you are truly the Son of God and the King of Israel. He wasn't just repeating what Philip had told him. He now had a revelation of his own, and he didn't borrow it from some itinerant preacher. It was written on his heart by the Lord. Who told him that? Revelation came to him in the encounter. In his response, he opened the door to the encounter that changed his life forever. But still we have a question. And if Sue were here, she would agree. I still haven't answered the how. And so I want to do that. How do we do that? How do we actually taste and see God's goodness? I heard a similar question on, the, on YouTube of all places, but I was on my treadmill and listening to some um, speakers, Christian speakers, and, and this guy's talking about this. I'm going, this is awesome. So I just I, I plugged it in and sent it to myself so I'd have it for reference. And here's the question that came out. This was in a service, and after this service, people are just milling around as they will. The speakers were still there talking to people, answering questions. And someone from the crowd asked the speaker, how can we enjoy God's presence in our everyday lives? It's kind of that same question. How do I, where do I go to find him? What must I do? That's that same kind of question, isn't it? And this is what the speaker said to him. This is so good. So he's, this is his words, the speaker. He says, recently after a speaking engagement, everyone was lingering uh, in the meeting hall, and someone asked me a similar question. There was still a great deal of background noise and distraction. You know how you can be when it's after the service and everybody's talking at once, and, and uh, you just it's just a dull roar. And he said uh, there was... Uh, as the crowd had not all left, so the speaker responded by, he says, you see this man over here with the red shirt? 
And the man that asked him the question stopped and squinted and looked and he says, yeah, I see him. He says, can you hear what he's saying? And he stopped and he listened intently. He says, yes, I can hear him. So the speaker told him, as we stand here in the middle of a crowded room, the individual sounds are indistinguishable. You can't make anything out. There's a million different conversations and sounds going on. But when you choose to focus on this one man, he became prominent. He came into your view, and everyone else went out of focus. As you focused on him and chose to muffle the background noise, his words became distinguishable from all the rest, didn't they? And the man said, yes, they did. And then he said this, we, what we just did was not by accident. And it just didn't happen by chance. It was intentional. We set about to focus on one man and to listen until we heard what he was saying to the exclusion of all the chaos around us. So part one of my, this message, this passage, is about this imitation. Do you understand there is an imitation? It's to God's people or anyone who hears the imitation and wants to respond is welcome. It could be someone that's not even would consider themselves a believer. So let's say we've responded to the imitation and we've showed up. Here we are, full of expectation and hope. We're, they, we hope this verse is true. And, and God will somehow respond in kindness, and it'll be something of an encounter that'll open us the way for us to develop and go further in the relationship. So now do, what do we do? Now we walk, move to the second part of the passage where there's a promise. And this is, this is what locks us in to risk this thing. As we read further, the second part of David's passage we found in, this is in verse 9, it's there that we find the promise, and the promise is this. If you approach God as Moses did, as Nathaniel did, as David did, honoring who he is, approach him with your shoes off, in other words, respectful, with a, an honest-to-goodness fear of God that's honoring him and acknowledging who he is, things come to you in the encounter that are called mercies and grace, blessings, things like revelation and joy and acceptance, empowering, direction. All of these things are in the encounter as God speaks and brings revelation to our hearts. The Message Bible reads this way on this passage. As it goes a little further, I'll read, the, I'll read into it so we get the whole line here. It says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him or turn to him or hide yourself in him. It depends on which translation you read. It's whoever turns to him and comes to him with any kind of hope is blessed in the exchange. Now he says this. This is important. How we come to him is like this. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. As we acknowledge him and we see him and we speak to what we see and we celebrate him, the doors open wide to God's goodness. 
Here's uh, in the CEV, the contemporary English. I like this as well. It says, discover for yourself that the Lord is kind. Come to him for protection, and you'll be glad. And then uh, verse 9 says, honor the Lord. That's the same word as worship. Honor the Lord. You are his special people. No one who honors the Lord will ever be in need. You hear that? Everything we need, everything we're looking for, all that God is waits for the one who will go seek him and discover that he's good and enter into an appropriate relationship with him of respect. Honoring him and acknowledging him, we walk right in the door. Worship, honor, and respect. All acknowledge who he is. And when we agree with what we see in him, our hearts are open to blessing. It's a matter of just responding to what you see. If you see God and you experience him and, you, and your heart opens to that message, there's something built into us that responds to seeing his image in whatever form he presents himself. In this process of discovery and this examination done in honor and humility, the doors to God's acceptance swing wide. Without shame or guilt, everyone is welcome. We're all welcome when we come to taste and see. So we have the invitation. We have the promise. And so the way in is the way forward. Honoring God with our words opens the door to enter into an encounter where everything our hearts desire is waiting. Let me read you one more passage. And this is, a, a, this is a long psalm, so I've just taken excerpts out of it so as not to make this a long reading. But it's a, it's a, I call it the prayer of thanksgiving. This is the key to encounter. And so I took this particular psalm because it, it kind of gives us an example of what a prayer of thanksgiving or the words we speak back to the Lord are because David is practicing them. And he does it in an excellent way in Psalm 103. So let me just read some excerpts and tell me if you don't think this is honoring respectful. Um, this is on this occasion. Um, I don't remember what the occasion was. This is, anyway, Dave, this is David's way of taking off his shoes in the holy place. He begins by acknowledging and honoring and worshiping God. And he says this, with my whole heart, with my whole life, and with all my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. That's appropriate, isn't it? God deserves that, does he not? And then he says, Yahweh, you are my soul's, soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles and kindness you've done for me? Now listen, as he begins to speak out loud, his history with God's goodness. Because he has a, I mean, it's a list of the things that he's received from God's good hand. He said, you kissed my heart with forgiveness. That's tender, isn't it? In spite of all I've done, you kissed my heart with forgiveness. You healed me inside and out from every disease. You rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. 
You've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Lord, you are so kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it. So patient with people who fail you. Anybody here failed God before? This is God saying, come closer. I didn't count. I forgive you. He says, you don't look at us only to find fault just so that you can hold a grudge against us. You may discipline us for our many sins, but never as much as we really deserve. Nor do you get even with us for what we've done. Higher than the highest heavens. That's how high your tender mercy extends. Greater than the grandeur of heaven. Above is the greatness of your loyal love. Towering over, get this now, all who fear you and bow down before you. Everyone who acknowledges who he is and reveres him with their words is welcome. Farther than from the sunrise to the sunset, that's how far you removed our guilt from us. The same way a loving father feels toward his children, that's but a sample of your tender feelings toward us, your beloved children who live in awe of you. Now this sounds, it may sound to you over the top, but this is a response of a heart that is truly grateful for what God's done. And David spent time on his face pondering these things so that he could speak them to God. In this encounter, he was drawn in to a place of revelation. Now, what did God do in this man's life? He was the crown of Israel. He was the greatest king who ever lived. He had everything he ever needed, and he walked in complete protection in his life. Everything that's considered blessing in God's kingdom came to this man because he had the key that unlocked the door to an encounter. He concludes with this. I will bless and praise the Lord with my whole heart. Let all his works throughout the earth, wherever his dominion stretches, let everything bless the Lord. So what did we learn tonight? What is the message from God through these men? Come close. Come over here. Come over here. Take off your shoes. Come close. And when you do, and you trust me, in this moment where you've risked this proximity to God, blessing will come to you. I'll speak words to your heart that will change your life, and you'll never be the same. That doesn't sound like a good deal. Let me pray for you. I just really believe this really is an invitation from God. This is who he is. You can say what you will about the Old Testament God, but here he is in person inviting people to come to him. All of us broken liars and cheaters and all that stuff. So Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for this picture of you and how you relate to your people. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Lord, we respond. We turn aside to walk toward you now. And we we are so excited to hear words of revelation. Thank you for the encounter that we know is coming as we turn to you. I bless your people tonight with your presence. 
I bless them with your peace, with your acceptance, with your invitation. I pray, Lord, it would go to the core of their hearts that you love them and you desire this relationship more than anything. Thank you for who you are. Let us see you more clearly. Let us come and discover your goodness. Help us in this now. As we turn in our own awkward way, we walk toward you saying, yes, Jesus. Amen?